You are skiing very wise, and you're wise beyond your years. Hi, I'm Rosie Frankowski from APU. Ah, Kyle Bradford from Stratton. Hi, everyone. My name is Antoine C. Hi, this is Andy Newell. That's the great thing about sports. First of all, ski me wet. You play to win, and I don't care if you don't have any win. You go play to win. Oh, good for you. And how was it? It felt really good. Well, competition. Easier just. Brooksy, if I want to explain it to you, I would. Really fun race and Welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast, the only Nordic ski show that has a unique musical intro every single time. I love the intro. Can I try and do this? Can I ramp this with the weather? Okay, can we try it again? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast, brought to you by Amana Heating and Warehouse Energy. Amana Heating, all your heating needs, and Quaker Oatmeal. Oatmeal will fill you up. Today on the show, we got a great show lined up for you. It's 51 degrees out here in Leadville. We hope you got your crust skis out and ready because there's still a lot of good skiing to be had. On the show today with us, we got the ski center owner, Johan Hagstrom. He's joining us all the way from Gutenberg, Sweden. Stay tuned. Here we are. We hope you enjoy the show. That was not bad. We could kind of tell. I was a little early. You could tell you ran enough. A little early on the post there. Give it another shot, Ryan. Probably shouldn't waste this much time doing this, I think. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast, brought to you by the Mineral Belt Trail and Melanzana local company. Support your local companies. Welcome to Leadville, Colorado. We're here at 10,152 feet. Hoping you enjoy the show. we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk to Johan Hugstrom of Ski Sense Power Meters and the Power Poles. It's 51 degrees outside. It's going to be 53 degrees tomorrow. Sunny. The sun is back. 300 days of sunshine here in Colorado. We hope you get your crest skis because there's a lot more great skiing to go. Head up to the Molly Mine if you can. This is the Cedar Skier Podcast. 300 days of sunshine. It rained yesterday. Can we claim sponsors even if we don't actually have sponsors for our show? I can tell you one thing. They're going to want to sponsor the show after that. Yeah, I'll keep working at it. Welcome to our show. We got a great show lined up for you today. I think you'll find it very interesting. We got Johan Hugstrom from Sweden joining us. Did you say that name right? I'm doing the best I can, Ralph. It's the Swedish L. Hugstrom. That was actually, that was pretty good. Anyway, Johan was super gracious, shared his time with us, talked about his company Ski Sense, how he developed these power meters for ski poles, um, all of the data that you can get from these. It's it's the fingerprint of you as a skier. You know, we're talking cycle length, cycle rate, pole time, uh, pole frequency. It's just, it's, it's incredible what we can get. And all, you know, the, the, the power meters are not super heavy now. So you can wear them in performance situations. It's really exciting thinking about the data we're going to be able to pull from World Cup races, from marathon races, uh, once these things really hit a big, like in cycling, in the Tour de France, where everyone's got a power meter, we can really quickly access and see, you know, what Chris Froome is doing when he's climbing a hill. They've done studies, you know. I learned a ton from this. Um, it was really interesting. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I'm definitely thinking, with these things at the market, I'm going to get one. I don't know. Is the wife going to support that purchase, Ryan? You know, it doesn't need to know. That does make sense. Super light power meter. It fits. The first prototype was a little bit bulkier than maybe she would have noticed. But, you know, no, no. Now I'll just buy it, put it in my U.S. ski pole company pole, and away we go. You know, she doesn't know. And, and I'm taking in data, putting it on Strava, making gains. Hey, if it's not on Strava, it didn't happen, right? Correct. Uh, yes, we went into that world again, right? Yeah, not, not super healthy, in my opinion. Actually, side plug, we are uploading uh, some of my, like, training logs and if you're into, into that stuff and like seeing what other people do, uh, check that out on the blog. We just put up 
week five or week six of the season. Oh, but, good for you. Yeah, well, anyway, we're not going to hold up any more time. Let's get right to this interview. So this is Johan Hugstrom of Ski Sense uh, and our sit-down chat we had with him. Enjoy. Uh, let's let's kind of start at the beginning. I'm just kind of curious about what your background was in skiing and endurance sports. Like wh- when and where did you first start to ski? Who taught you and, and what was that like growing up? So I'm from the south of Sweden. Uh, my father and mother, they were they were skiing, but uh, mostly running orienteering, actually. Uh, oh, okay. So when I was a child, I was trying a lot of sports uh, like ice hockey, uh, basketball, uh, handball, football or soccer. Yep. Uh, and uh, orienteering, of course, and then cross-country skiing as well. My main sport was uh, orienteering and then uh, cross-country skiing as a second sport. But uh, due to the lack of snow in the south of Sweden, I and also my interest, so I choose the orienteering uh, in the first hand. But uh, I've been skiing and running since a little child. Okay. We don't have orienteering really over here, I feel like, but that's that's like uh-huh. you have to be super fit in terms of running, right? Because you're basically like just running through trails or can you explain that sport to me a little bit. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, we are, we are we are runners, actually, but we are running uh, off track uh, right. mostly. Okay. Um, so and then uh, it's also important to keep the head calm, uh, taking the right decisions and uh when you're getting tired, it's not uh, often the easiest one, uh, but uh, it's a part of the of the sport that I like. That uh, there is uh, another dimension uh, than just running. Right. How long are the races? We we compete uh, between uh, 15 minutes in a sprint race up to 100 minutes in a long distance race. Okay. So we have a sprint, uh, middle distance, and uh, long distance. So do the, do you still compete in that? Yeah, actually, that's uh, it's been a long career for me, and I'm still uh, competing in top level. I've had, um, yeah, I've done uh, two junior world championships, uh, and uh, I've had uh, like a place in the national team for seniors uh, over eight years. Okay, uh, maybe. So that that has been my main. Uh, main dream so i've been uh, studying for uh, the 50% in pace just to get this uh, to compete in uh, and train for the orienteering okay wow okay interesting so uh, yeah and that's especially with what yeah. we're going to talk about you know about your the, the company and how that relates to to skiing would you know how did you kind of come into that with orienteering being your number one thing or was skiing still like you know you cross trained in the winter and things like that so you always had an eye for it yeah i would say i've, I've always been uh, skiing in the winters and, okay uh, sometimes more when i got injured and uh, sometimes less but uh, I've always liked the sport uh, for like uh, keeping, uh, yeah, okay. having good training, not uh, just running in the winters. Right, right. So when I uh, I was studying at Chalmers, um, and I was going to do my bachelor thesis, and uh, then uh, yeah, my colleague at this moment uh, was uh, then putting up a project. Uh, doing this power meter for cross-country skiing. And I thought uh, with my background in the sports and uh, also my studies in the technology, this was uh, the perfect fit for me. Um, 
So that's where it all started. And he's a former uh, biking, a former cyclist, uh, been in the yep. close to the national team in Sweden. Okay. And he started uh, to go uh, skiing while uh, age of 40 or something. And then uh, he was working at Chalmers, uh, having insight in the technology and uh, saw that uh, this, uh, this must be working for uh, cross-country skiing as well. They, they probably needed more than the cycling. So he put up the project, I joined, and uh, now we're running the company together. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, it, would, it makes sense that a cyclist, you know, the power meters have been there forever. So is he kind of like, gosh, they need this yeah. in skiing. So let's work on it. Uh, that's awesome. So did you yeah, kind of did exactly. you did you approach him, or was he did he kind of know your background too, or was it mutual? You know, because you were a student at that time. Uh, how how did that conversation kind of take place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I uh, I basically applied for uh, this project. Okay. Um, together with some other students. Um, we worked uh, hard uh, during one uh, semester and uh, we got a good project and we were graded and stuff uh, with the school. But then I I wanted to make more out of it. I saw the potential uh, with the okay. sports. And uh, then uh, me and my, he was more or less my examiner at that time. But... Uh, we joined together and uh, continued the project uh, afterwards. Okay. So when you started at the very beginning, did how did you know yeah. how to make a power meter? I mean, I suppose him coming from the cycling background, he kind of did, did you like take apart a Garmin and go, okay, we kind of we know we need these sort of things or you know like the information's out there on yeah. the web, but still it's like did you kind of have to start there and research like what are the parts we need even or how did that work? Yeah, exactly. We started from zero basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, with my insight in sport, I knew it should be it should be easy to use in the end, and uh, it should be mobile, like not with a lot of cables. So it had to be some some type of wireless uh, sensoring stuff. Right. And uh, then we we more or less the software. Uh, we decided to go for an app system. Um, and uh, at that part of time, we started with the Android app since it was easy to get in and program. And okay. then uh, we needed a Bluetooth sensor to transmit the data. And uh, then uh, the physics uh, comes in on how how power is developed and uh, calculated. So we needed to measure the force in uh, direction of movement and uh, the speed uh, to get it and you know for a skier um, it's quite uh, important that they have uh, lightweight poles and uh, right. slimmed gear more or less so we didn't want to we didn't want it to make a big impact on the skier right uh, like you know for cycling it's uh, it's on the integrated in the bike and uh, right you don't even feel you have extra weight on it, more or less. Exactly. So then, um, so then we looked into the boots. Maybe put something there, and uh, maybe that could work. But uh, we decided for go for the ski, the grip uh, in the pole. Yeah. How did you find something that and was lightweight? That doesn't, uh, 
yeah in the beginning it wasn't uh, so lightweight sure um, it was uh, the grip was uh, 40 millimeters in uh, diameter at the first prototype okay we did, um, which was uh, <laughs> yeah a bit uh, bit yeah, too, too impactful to ski with yeah go go through tell us about your website says there are 15 prototypes so Talk us through each one, like what were some of the changes that you made as you, you know, you said that first one that was too heavy. What were some other things that happened as you went through the prototypes? Yeah, we, um, the first uh, prototype was uh, 40 millimeters in diameter. It was, uh, of course, not suited for uh, professional skiers or it was just suited for uh, lab uh, lab test more or less. But we wanted to make it outside, like right. take the lab out to the field and make important measurements outside. That's the that's the goal. So we we the first prototype was 3D printed at Chalmers. I made a draft or the the sketches of of it, and we 3D printed it, and uh, we put together the Bluetooth chip and uh, the accelerometer sensor and the force sensor together, and we integrated into the handle. So it was a very special uh, designed handle. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> by time we have uh, been able to produce it in a more high volume, not high volume, but prototype volumes like 50 or 100 pairs uh, to get it out testing. And uh, <clears throat> that has been uh, done in a circular shape with CNC production. And, uh, and the latest days we've uh, invested in a plastic mold. Uh, that uh, makes this uh, special design. Okay. And uh, today it is as slim as it could be with uh, the integrated uh, electronics inside. And so you also state that in, uh, on your website it had on autumn 2019, you'll be ready to launch the world's first power meter for cross-country skiing in a lim- limited volume with a select supplier. Did that end up happening? Who, do, who did yeah. you work with and how many of those were released? Was it that hundred or what, what have like sales been? What company are you working with? It, they haven't been uh, released uh, like an open product. Uh, we've been working with uh, the company called uh, Guided Heroes. It's uh, yeah, Sweden's most famous uh, cyclist trainer. He's a trainer of uh, Trek Segafredo, okay. uh, the Tour de France team. And he has a lot of experience in Matthias Reck, and he has a lot of experience in uh, power training. So together with them, we are Guided Heroes is working as a trainer consultant, more or less. And uh, together with them, we are transferring the knowledge from the cyclings into the skiing. Okay. And uh, we are using it on uh, adepts uh, connected to Guided Heroes, but in a very low volume uh, this winter. Okay. So you were you're you're so still kind no of no really no hard launching. Right. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that had meant like you know, we partnered with Swix and we released, uh, you know, a hundred poles that have our product on them and we're kind yeah, of, yeah. it's not, but that's kind of the end goal. I would assume, right. That you, you have a power meter that any skier could buy and attach to their yeah. pole or yeah, actually that's kind of a, my next question is, is, is the, is the idea, the end goal that it's a power meter I can attach to any pole or are you sort of like, oh, that's probably not possible. We're going to have to make a pole with it built into the handle. Um, yeah. Which of those is it? Yeah, our goal is uh, to make it really easy for the user. It should be 
the similar ECS uh, using a GPS watch or uh, yeah. with a pulse band or something. Just connect your poles, and we want to make it uh, fit everyone's poles. Um, right. So today, most of the poles are 16 millimeters in outer dimension, and uh, we fit those, no problem. Okay. Then uh, Sphix Triac has a special design, and uh, <laughs> but uh, with resources, it's no problem to fit those. Okay. Fit that one as well. So we would definitely want to make everyone gonna use it. Okay, and it be and it's something that a skier can buy separate, you know, and then just bam, attach it on, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, there are there are some different paths uh, we can go. Uh, like partnering with a pole manufacturer is one way, and uh, we there are discussions in uh, different uh, directions, and we haven't uh, really decided yet uh, what to go. But uh, there are interesting ways, and it's also uh, possible to connect it. Uh, it's also possible to connect it to a watch, uh, oh, okay. which would be even easier for the user. Um, uh, these days. Uh, we connect it to a mobile app, but uh, the watch is the end goal. Okay. Yeah, I think I was going to ask you that a little later on. Like, once you have the data, is it one of those, oh, just upload it to Strava. Now I can see uh, my power output and all the different parts of the course. Are you? I assume you're probably capable of yeah. doing that now, but as far as being totally user-friendly, this hasn't this isn't quite out there to the public. Like you guys are still in kind of developmental stages in that sense, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but uh, it's possible today to upload to Strava, no problem. Um, since we used the .dot fit file, okay, it's um, compatible with uh, more or less every platform for analysis, like Strava. Yeah. Today's plan is a. Uh, it's a platform we use a lot, and uh, also I know Training Peaks, uh, no problem to upload. Right. So that's the way we want to go. So some of those poll companies are they approaching you and kind of going, whoa, 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 let's get let's get in line first, or has that been you kind of trying to reach out and and see who the best partner would be? I, I think it's a double way uh, yeah. communication in that sense. Uh, we think this is the next uh, innovation for cross-country skiing it's yeah. uh, like basically the uh, yeah it's the greatest innovation since the carbon poles came in the 80s right uh, so when times goes we there there are there are communication both ways uh, okay I would say. uh and and how soon do you think it'll be before some of those first ones are released and i can just go to my sporting goods store and pick up a ski sense power meter do you think that's within a year or maybe longer out or what's kind of your timeline uh i would say uh one and a half year uh, not this season but uh, next season after uh, is our goal okay um, to reach uh, the market this season we will uh, scale up the consultant and service like test uh, doing season test uh, um, services and uh finalize the hardware software and then we're ready to produce it in a high volume uh, for the next season okay and i mean the research benefits are going to be awesome i think even if there's not you know right away top level athletes thinking they want to have that data i would imagine that you know i'm doing my thesis on uh, double pole 
and strength to weight ratio, but it's like, if I could have, it would have been (laughs) power to weight ratio, kind of a looking at that. It's just in a, in a ski race simulation, you know, man, I I can't imagine that. There are a lot of, uh, yeah, the research, uh, it's a totally new uh, equipment for the researchers being able to do this uh, in a smooth way in the lab and outside the lab, like, uh, in the ski track, it's, uh, it's a great way of uh, driving the research forward. I came across uh, one from 2019 that used your guys' product, and, and so that's pretty recent. But have you also been yeah. addressed by some of the heads at uh, in Sweden or NTNU in Norway or any of those other places where they're like, oh, let's get our hands on these? Or, you know, have, since that was published? Yeah. No, we've been a little bit restrictive uh, where we spread uh, where we spread um, okay. the product, and we've done some uh, validation tests uh, both in Gothenburg and uh, also in Falund in uh, Sweden. Okay. Uh, recently, we had some uh, publication in the ICSS uh, conference in Vokati, I think, uh, together with uh, Stefan Lindinger uh, last uh, winter. Okay. One thing I saw was studies sometimes analyze pull forces and power production. And then there's a difference between that and propulsive power, you know? And so in many studies, it seems like we find out, okay, this is an athlete's peak pull force and it's measured in Watts. We read about crazy high power data and in sprint double pulling, but could you kind of explain to the layperson what the difference between peak pull force and propulsive power is and why your product is beneficial in choosing to measure the latter of those when you apply force on a pole um, we me- there is uh, we measure the ax- axial force like the total force in the pole yep but all of that po- force is not uh, driving you forward right some of that force is lifting you up as well okay but it's is the Propulsive force and the, which is the force in direction of in direction of movement that is important for going faster from A to B. Right. And uh, so, just looking at the peak force doesn't tell you if uh, if you have a bad skiing technique, yeah. <laughs> you would have a high peak force, but you won't yeah. you you won't get forward in the really extreme way. You have the pole ninety degrees to the ground and you just lift you upwards. You're right. Right. Okay, so so the power is based on the propulsive force uh, multiplied with the speed, and uh, so that's the basic uh, parts in the in the calculation of the power. Uh, okay, yeah, so because your device will measure your pull force, it'll measure that you know just how much force you're putting into the ground, whether it's ninety degrees and you're just going straight up or. Like it has to kind of measure that data as well as the propulsive power, which is really what's determining how fast you're going. Correct? Yeah, exactly. So we we measure both of them, and uh, there is uh, it's quite interesting to look at the ratio between it as well. Um, sure. So that can tell you a lot of uh, your skiing technique. Right. Yeah. Have you guys done any studies looking at elite athletes versus you know junior athletes or novice athletes? yet where you where you look at that ratio of propulsive power to peak pull force to see like whoa the elite skiers really are just that much more efficient or have you not done done anything like that you have we have uh, we have some small uh, 
tests done in it as well. And uh, we see one thing is that uh, elite skiers, they are much better to remain the propulsive, the amount of propulsive force when they go up in speed in uh, high intensities. Um, So if, uh, for example, me going 100 meter with increased speed, I will lose the ratio uh, when I get up to a certain threshold. Okay. That threshold is uh, much higher in speed for an, uh, for a faster skier. They can remain the impulse uh, in a much better way, and that's why they can uh, sprint and go accelerate in uh, high speeds. I think it's uh, connected to their balance and uh, timing in the polling. Wow, that's really interesting. So what other data do you guys gather on there? Uh, um, or that you're hoping to be able to gather? Are, are we talking eventually yeah, yeah. you can look at cycle rate, cycle length, the you know polling times, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff, huh? Yeah, exactly. We The main goal is to get the force uh, or the power. But uh, during the way, we've uh, seen that skiing is much more a technical sport than biking. Right. So we see we have a... We have one side measuring the like the capacity of the skier, like uh, the peak power and the power profile and uh, how to monitor the training. And then there's another side, the skiing technique. Right. It's about uh, what frequency do you use uh, yep. and uh, yeah, the ratio between the pole in the ground and the thrust, the contact time, and then the time in the air. It's like... Uh, uh, proportional uh, to the um, to the frequency, the cycle length, and uh, we also look into the. We actually have our data set uh, divided into one low resolution part and one really high resolution part because we sample up to two or three hundred uh, points per seconds, so that uh, will resolute resolve your. Um, polling with the, you nearly get 50 points in the measurement points during one polling, which uh, we can show the pole force plot uh, for every single individual polling you do on a training. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, the research that I've been reading that's back from 2006, 2008 about biomechanics of double polling and um, coming out of Sweden, coming yeah. out of Norway, and I think one we just we kind of dissected yeah. it on our recent show, comparing it was how elites control double pole speed, kind of looking at at what point yeah. is cycle length kind of maxed out, um, and the yeah. and um, the the time that the pole is going to make contact with the ground is very small, and it was yeah elite skiers yeah. they are decreasing that time ground contact time essentially but their forces yeah. are way higher in that short amount of time. I mean, not unlike you see with running, yeah. right? You know, there, you want as little a ground contact time as possible, but in that time you, exactly. need to, you need to put as much force as possible so your cycle length is as long as possible. Um, so, I, I, yeah, yeah. it would be interesting once, you know, maybe five, six years from now, once 
uh, your product's really, really out there, and we can be looking at that data, you know, man, in races. Because Tour de France, everyone's got a power meter. So we can really quickly analyze and compare, but that's not happening in your Visma Classics right now. But it would be incredible the amount of data you'd be able to get once this really hits, makes it big. (laughs) Really exciting. Yeah, exactly. We're we're looking, there are applications for like live broadcasting and giving a lot of uh, user user value during these days but to back to the pole force plot it's like uh, it's like a fingerprint of the skier actually and uh, there is so much to tell about strength and weaknesses by just looking at this uh, pole force plot that one is also a very central part what we are analyzing when looking at uh, data besides the power of course okay yeah, and for coaches, man, that's incredibly valuable, I would think, <laughs> to have that, the finger, like you're saying, yeah. the fingerprint of it. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. C- cycling with the power meters, like comparing the two again, I think they try to, there's just not that much you can look at. It doesn't seem like, like they're trying to see now in the high-tech power meters, like, you know, they can look at how much power your foot is putting out through the duration of yep. your foot going around the the pedal but it's like okay wow yep. awesome but like a ski power pole like all the things we talked about we mentioned there's about 25 different variables that are you know analyzed yeah. by this one tool you know and when cycling when they came out those power meters right away it's like one to two thousand bucks per power meter and now they're coming yeah. down to 250 500 what do you think the the cost will be right away? And do you think there's a chance that long term it'll be something that's you know a lot more affordable? Yeah, we our goal is that uh, the really goal is to, that uh, everyone with a GPS watch or a pulse belt uh, yep should be able to use it, and they should use it more than uh, the pulse um, uh, because yeah, power is uh, proved to be a lot of better to monitor the training. So we we're aiming for those uh, um, for those uh, that for that cost or that price, but uh, it's the same technology as in uh, it's a lot of same technology as in a biking power meter. So there is a way to go to get it cheaper. Uh, okay, definitely. So so is it like the two hundred to five hundred dollar range is is actually a realistic starting point? You think uh, it's like we. We want to get down to like 600 euro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, I can imagine. That's, I think it's pretty close, right? That, that would be pretty – yeah. Euro and the dollar aren't yeah. too far off right now. In this next section of the interview, we asked Johan how COVID had impacted him and Ski Sense. For me personally, it's okay, of course, but uh, it's uh, quite restrictive in the, in the environments around that I'm working from home. Um, yeah. And uh, we have some, uh, we have a problem to meet partners and uh, coaches and customers, and uh, also the supply chain is uh, affected since we we have a lot of electronics from the Asia coming. Okay. So there is a uh, yeah, it's hard times, I would say. Yeah, sure. I think Sweden was one of the nations originally too that kind of they didn't. You guys weren't as restrictive immediately, right? No, it, we weren't. Um, I've heard it's a special strategy. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, no, same here. I, I'm not. I'm not here to make any like. Well, they did it right or we did it wrong, but it it is starting to seem more like 
actually, you know, what you guys were doing is like, hey, we're just going to find herd immunity. And uh, yeah, I think the data is really not clear. So (laughs) as to what's really going on. So it's hard to know, but just keep Coleman to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, You've you've also worked with these coaches, scientists, elite athletes. Uh, Has one of those groups been pining more for your device, you know, because I, initially I would think the scientific community is like, oh, man, this is super valuable. And who cares if it's a little bit uh, heavy or anything like that? Um, but at the same time, you know, all yeah. the pro cyclists have it and you have expressed like ultimately you want to get it in the hands of everyone, you know, just like if you got a GPS watch. But right away, who, yeah. who did you kind of hear the most? Hey, we want this. Which which of those communities? It uh, From the beginning, actually, the Swedish biathlon uh, uh, team with uh, Wolfgang Pistler, you know the trainer. He really picked up us, and he wanted these uh, power measurements uh, early, and been longing for it for a long time. So, the Swedish Biathlon has uh, been uh, our main partner for a long time. Uh, yeah, since we had some product to use, actually, it's more. Uh, yeah, it's nearly two and a half year now. Okay. So they've been uh, really looking into it. So let, let's talk about what the company looks like now. Uh, how many employees do you have? What What are the different yeah. roles? Yeah, we are we have uh, we are two employees. Okay, uh, it's me and my colleague and co-founder. Okay. Um, so at this moment, we are three co-founders uh, working in the company. My other colleague, the associate professor from Chalmers, Don Schillenhörner, he's uh, he's like a strategy for the company, and uh, we are operate my and my. Ad- Colleague Lai, um, we are doing the operational work. Um, so two two employees and uh, the third uh, founder in the board. Okay, what does a typical day look like for you guys? So we um, we have an office at the uh, incubator Chalmers Ventures. Uh, it's uh, close to Chalmers uh, Technology, and uh, we have uh, we're. We have an office there where we have partly have our lab and then also desktops with uh, computers. So we're able to do some prototype uh, manufacturing uh, inside our office. And uh, um, I usually do a lot of emailing and uh, looking at the data, maybe going out testing. And my colleague is working on the hardware and the software. Um, and we collaborate in like... I have my view of uh, how a sport gear should work, and we—it's a continuous uh, development uh, from that side. We are like uh, fixing bugs and uh, making new features, uh, sort of. Um, it's a really normal day, and then uh, sometimes we have the travels as well, meeting customers and doing demo days and tests. Yeah, and, and what and those customers? I was going to ask you, kind of like, since it hasn't hit that broad market yet, how are you guys funded? Like, who are your customers, or are you? Uh, yeah, I, I I can't imagine what like the inner workings of starting a company are, but you know, I imagine right now you're sort yeah. of at that stage where you haven't blown up yet. So how do you kind of like financially stay afloat before you've got a product you think is really going to be able to be brought to the public? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we won a start ca- startup camp uh, at Chalmers Ventures, the incubator. Okay. And we got some early funding from there, uh, like investment. Okay. 
and uh, investment together with regional uh, regional funding from the west coast in uh, Sweden. They have some like startup fund seed funding for startups. Okay. Um, so we matched those together, and then we've also done a new emission last year. We got a private investor into the company and then some product money from different customers around. Now we are looking to make a bigger new emission and bring in more capital to really accelerate. Your customers are are some of these companies you're working with to, to work to like pull companies you're talking about, yeah. right? But okay. some of the customers right now are more like a marketing value for us. And sure. we want their input to the product and their use of the product is a lot of valuable for us. So we... Okay. We're living on the investments and uh, plan to do so until we reach the market and uh, get revenue. Okay. Now, maybe this is a little bit way off in the future or you haven't thought about it yet or maybe you have, but is are, do you think eventually your company will expand to like, hey, let's let's stick a sensor in boots or in the ski, collect data from there, or what would yeah. be the challenges – you know, to doing that. Yeah, we are very interesting. You ask because we are. That's one way we see the really high potential. Because uh, what we've built is a very capable, high-performance uh, digital platform for collecting high-resolution data. And we, our main, uh, our main competence is uh, not just. Uh, Doing this low-resolution data is—it's about collecting high-resolution data with, if in an efficient way, by using Bluetooth and stuff. So, okay. this platform with the Bluetooth transmitting and uh, receiving in the app is—we uh, plan to go further, like you're putting in a putting in for running and trail running and uh, making other application out of it. Okay, uh, for sure. There is a big market for Nordic walking and uh, power walking and also recruitment uh, walking for the elders, the older ones. Sure. You got to tackle one thing at a time, I suppose. <laughs> each of those each of yeah. those areas. But it's important to keep the vision as well, uh, showing the whole picture out of it. Sure. Uh, okay, so I do like to go kind of deep sometimes on my podcast. So I got to ask yeah. you... What is your uh, sense of purpose or reason? You know, what's the motivational thing that, that brings you to work each day, motivates you to improve your product and bring it to the rest of the world? Yeah, nice one. Um, I think it uh, all comes back to my, my career in the elite sports and uh, making – I'm like catching the dreams in sports. Uh, it's what I've been uh, doing for a long time. And uh, I really want to give something back to the sports. And I see this one is uh, making, it could make people uh, train more efficient and uh, give a tool uh, for the athletes uh, catching their dreams um, more or less. And also, of course, my interest in the technology is uh, is a good part of it but uh, mostly the connection to the sports i would say okay uh, like this uh, giving something yeah giving something back to the sport and uh, it would be really awesome to 
launch a power meter for cross-country skiing since we know how it's done in the cycling and uh, I think it even has more potential in the for a cross-country skier as we said with the techno with the skiing technique part right the technical aspects for sure measuring those things yeah yeah do you guys sponsor any athletes right now or do you think is that something in the future that you'd like to do where you know in terms of marketing you have a marathon team or you just become a sponsor of sweden national team or something like that uh, not now i can't say we are sponsoring any right now but we're doing tests and right demos with a lot of uh, skiers and the teams but of course we we would like to sponsor when we have uh, enough uh, resources to do it right uh, okay that uh, that would be awesome well, I hope you enjoyed that. Johan, really cool guy, really interesting product uh, like we discussed. And hopefully, like you can see now, this thing could really impact training, research, performance, ultimately, um, just a ton of potential. So um, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out cedarskier.com and listen to some of our other podcasts and other shows and um, enjoy reading some of those articles. We, we tend to nerd out on ski stuff, but also other things related to endurance sports and athletics in general. So that's cedarskier.com and uh, be sure to also follow Ski Sense AB on Instagram. You can check out their page and see um, as they continue to make these updates and advancements. Pretty soon, hopefully it'll be in the open market too and uh, hopefully we can get some in America too so Europe isn't always one step ahead of us uh, in Nordic skiing. So anyway, hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you later.